Hello, and welcome back to Layman Learn Torah. I'm Celia. This is my co-host, Joy. Welcome back. Today deals mostly with the relationship between... Well, I don't know if I would say relationship, but mostly with Yitzchak and all of the events that center around his life. And I would actually say these are events that happened to Yitzchak. You know what? I feel like all events in the Torah happened to Yitzchak. <laughs> no, he's not alive for most. What do you mean? No, I'm saying like, does he ever take any action? Oh, at that's all? a good point. I was at, I, I was actually once having a conversation with my husband, and we were talking about Yitzchak and how. We're not really sure he, like, talks much at all. Like, what is his defining characteristic or feature that yeah. he's remembered for? I think the most memorable thing was him almost being sacrificed, but the, I think that was more about Abraham than him. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, if when we look at it, we can also make the argument that he maybe didn't stop his father, put up a fight. You right. Know, we can talk about those things and what that really says about him. And his acceptance of God as well. Okay, let's open up with Chaf Aleph. We have God remembers Sarah um, as he said he would and acted for Sarah, which I found oh, that's an interesting uh, God language. Did what he yeah, I have did what he promised for Sarah. Okay. And she, she becomes pregnant and she has a son. Um, and Abraham names him Yitzvak. That was already foretold. Yeah, but I but the Torah does that sometimes, where it kind of uh, tells you the name of the person beforehand, and then when they're born, it's like, oh, you know what? That was uh, a lot of talk in my life. Everybody's laughing. I'm going to name him Yitzchak. Uh, but but that was you're right, and and that was something that was already yeah predicted. Uh, we were kind of waiting for that moment. Um, and when he was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him just as God had planned. There's a lot of, um, I guess my opening question here was basically about this laughing verbiage, um, naming Yitzchak, Yitzchak, um, and then Sarah saying that, uh, you know, God has brought me laughter and everyone else is going to laugh with me. This is... Um, you know, funny, happy, ironic, whatever you want to call it, that this, you know, 90-something at this point. Yeah. Uh, than... It even, um, she even kind of asks a rhetorical question in Pasuk Zayin 7. Uh, who would have thought that Abraham and Sarah would be nursing children? Yeah. And here I am. Uh, there's a lot of, I, I think the word that I'm thinking of is incredulity. Like, Sarah just cannot. Yeah. Even after it happens, she's just like, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. <laughs> she, she's in utter disbelief. I get that. You know when something happens to you and like, you know that you need to stop talking about it, but you can't yes, stop talking yes. about it, and you keep bringing it up, and then you seek out new people to talk to because you've already, like, told everybody that you know already. <laughs> yes, I have no idea what that's like, having twins. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, um, so she's 
you know, she can't believe it. Um, and then after this, like, surprising moment, the you know, Itzhak grew up, he was weaned. And something that I never realized was that when he was weaned, Abraham throws him a party. Yeah, I think they have that weaning parties. What is that? Weaning parties? Why is that, is that a thing? I've never heard of it before. Here's where the juicy stuff starts. Yeah. Sarah sees the son of Hagar, the Mitzrit. Here it calls her the Egyptian. Yeah. No more. What shade, by the way? I because know. we know that she's now Abraham's wife. She's the outsider. Nope. Um, she... Okay, but I think it's interesting that they come back to this root of Sadiq at Kuf, Mitzachek. Um, oh, same. I, I underline the same thing. But this, in my text, I don't know what your translation says. It says, Sarah saw the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had born Abraham mocking. Okay, I have a more innocent translation. Sarah saw the son that Hagar had born to Abraham playing. Mm. So here it's a lot more innocent, like Sarah saw them playing, and she's like, wait, I don't like what I'm seeing. So there's a lot less context about what it is that disturbed Sarah, but if we go according to your translation, then, uh, you're right. then there's it, something there. Mocking, condescension. For sure. There's... I think that, first of all, I'm, I'm shocked by how much a translation can color your understanding of a story mm -hmm. that's like shocking to me um i thought you would have something closer to mocking but mocking nope. is a very strong verb um which connotes like this measure of like um contention yeah between them as soon as she sees that she says to abraham drive drive them away like i'm done with her i'm done with her son they need to have nothing to do with us. She she says in Pasukiyo 10, the son of this slave sh will not share the inheritance with my son, Yitzhak. Um, if, I, I don't want to, I mean, I do. I do want to play devil's advocate, but I, I, I want to feel a little bit like Yishmael was mocking, I guess, in the strongest sense, or like playfully, you know, even playfully mocking Yitzhak, a couple of Pesukim before, Sarah's laughing her head off, saying, everyone is going to laugh with me, but it seems like it's not funny when Ishmael does it. Like, she can take a joke about herself or her son from other people, like, I'm going to laugh, they're laughing, we're all laughing, this is crazy, and then Ishmael laughs, and it's like, no. No, no. That's not funny anymore. Nope. Like, I, I will not take this joke. And she yeah. has, like, a really strong reaction to that. I think the mocking also, um, I think maybe in her eyes it's like, wait. I don't know. I'm Because, I'm, you know, I feel like we said it once where family is all about what? It's all about conflict, strife, yes. getting along, whatever. And I'm remembering that when I see this, because instead of investing time and in trying to work on this relationship and make sure that um, these boys get along and that these brothers can live in the same house in harmony, Sarah is like, no. nope, Keeping I want nothing separate. to do with them. Mm -hmm. I 
don't I'm not interested in making helping them work it out. My only interest here is keeping this influence away from my son. Um, and I think that now that she finally, that this promise is finally, was finally kept, she's thinking about all of the promises before that. She's like, all right, uh, we're on our way. We've been promised this whole chosen nation as great as the stars in the sky thing. And right. so far until now, I've seen nothing to prove that it'll happen. But now that my son was born it's time to start pruning again yeah um, i agree i think she's she's kind of like that mom that what do they call it lawnmower moms oh yeah bulldozer moms bulldozer moms <laughs> yes uh, they're yeah. not lawnmowers <laughs> anyway. but i like lawnmower a little better it's like violent but in a smaller scale yeah, yeah. so like the idea that the, a mother will take away anything difficult All that the is obstacles. in the obst obstacles that is in their their child's way to make sure to ensure their success. Um, so that is kind of reminding me of that, and like making sure that he won't be influenced. However, listen, we can joke about it, but she is. Let's let's just say you know Sarah is maybe I ho I hope I think as devout as Abraham. Yes. So she is obviously recognizing that this monotheism, this religion, this promised nation is a really big deal. She's seen lots of miracles at this point. She's seen what happened to Mitzrayim when she was taken captive. So Sarah is devout. Like she believes she wants to follow God. And she sees Ishmael um, a couple of episodes ago. We were talking, or maybe one episode ago, I can't even remember. We were talking about Ishmael being a wild Pere Adam. Yeah, yep. a wild, wild guy. A, yeah, a wild yep. guy and she wants to make sure that her child is not surrounded by that or influenced by that and the nation that will follow in God's ways will not, you know, you know, go off the right path as well. Yeah, and going back to the comment you made about lawnmower moms or bulldozer moms rather. Um it shows me that even from the very beginning, Yitzhak had a very passive role uh, in his life. He kind of had things laid out for him. There was not... Okay. All the way up until... And I'm just skipping ahead for a second. All the way up until um, Rivka helps Yaakov, his son, trick him as uh. he's blind. And it's like... Calm he has the privilege of being one of our avot, but why? my big question is why? why? What is it about Yitzchak? Right. I mean, sometimes it's just nepotism. He's <laughs> <laughs> just born into it. He's the missing link. Yeah. So. yeah okay. Legacy was the case for Yitzchak. Um, well, let's see. This was very bad in his eyes. This was ra. Mm -hmm. But Hashem steps in uh, and says, don't worry. Mm -hmm. It was meant to happen this way. Listen to Sarah. The woman knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Uh, it's... And the reason that he tells him, like we were saying before at the end of Pasuk Yudbet, 
שמע בקולה כי ביצחק יקרא לך זרע. Through יצחק you'll get your promise and your um, nation. And now, and Hashem reassures him, don't worry, I'm going to take care of this, you know, this son too. Um, he's also going to have a nation. So Abraham wakes up, he takes some bread, water, and he gives it to Hagar. This is, this is so sad. He plops it on her shoulder, and he sends her away. Um, I'm imagining, um, you know, like those classic hobos? Yes, with, like with the, the stick, stick and the bundle Over her shoulder, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm envisioning. Uh, he sent her away with the boy she left and roamed aimlessly in the Be'er Sheva desert. Yeah. By the way, he didn't even, like, make Name a suggestion it. of where to go. She didn't even know yeah. where to go. It's interesting that she does not go back to Canaan. Excuse me, she does not go back to Egypt. To Egypt. Oh. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think in Torah text, uh, oh, specifically what I'm thinking of is in Megillah Rut, when uh, Naomi tells Rut and Orpah, like, go home. Go home, go back to your family. Orpah turns, goes back to her family, like, back to her birthplace. Um, and it was Rut, obviously, who stayed with her. Mm-hmm. But. There's an opportunity here for Hagar to go back to Mitzrayim, and she doesn't, um, to be with her people again, to be reunited with her culture. And something about her experience with Abraham over these, year, over these years and having Ishmael, and having Ishmael be Abraham's son is keeping her tethered. Tethered is a good yeah. word. Like no longer recognizing Mitzrayim as home. home. Yeah. So she just, Hazita, she really just like wanders around the Be'er Sheva desert um, up until the point where she finishes all her water. And it says she cast the child away under one of the bushes. I know, this is very sad. So sad. And went down, went and sat down at a distance about a bow shot away saying, I cannot watch the child die. And then it took me about two readings to remind myself she cast the child away under a bush. And in my mind, I'm like, imagining that she's like throwing a baby under a bush. And then I'm like, hold on. He's about 14 years old. <laughs> yes. So no, she was dragging him. She was dragging her 14-year-old-ish child through the desert. They're both dying. There's yeah. no water left. And yeah. she leaves him. Right? You have to imagine that she leaves him under a bush. She walks away and she says, because I can't watch him die. But but even sadder is, Vateshev um, Mineged, like she sat across from him. In my book, it has it as she sat there facing him, meaning. Oh my gosh. She can't even turn her back. She just She's just watching and she was sobbing. She raised her voice and she she started to cry really loudly. Mm-hmm. And again, Hagar gets the privilege of having the word of Hashem come Amazing. straight to her. Mm-hmm. Hashem heard the boy weeping. I thought that was a very yeah. interesting distinction. Because last Pasuk ends with Hagar yelling crying. and crying. Mm-hmm. And then Hashem's like... It's not you that did it. It was your son's weeping. But anyway, the angel calls Hagar and says, 
don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, Hashem heard the boy's voice. Go and lift him up. Keep him strong. And I'm going to make a great nation. And then Hashem opened her eyes. Yeah, what is like, what, what is that? I don't know. I'm imagining. The way I imagine it is a mirage became real. Right. And Vayahi Elohim etana'a. Hashem was with the boy. He never, he never left Ishmael. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I kind of love that. He became an expert archer. Mm-hmm. Um, also funny because it mentions how she set a bow shot away from him. Yes, Isn't you're that right. Yeah, like, that repetition is interesting. Yeah. So it's 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 like the distance of. Of one safety or um you know what i mean like if you really wanted to dig into this if you're dying or your dying child is a bow shot away and you see your mother in that distance like there's only a certain amount of space and time and grief and all that you can fit within that distance yeah it's obviously very emotional um I wonder if that was part of his healing. It is, his yeah. Healing, his of healing coming journey. up. Wow. Yeah. Yes. In the Paran Desert, he Literary lived. His mother took him a wife from Egypt. Oh. I feel like she was like a little bit careful in who she was cho- choosing. Okay. And she chose a wife from Egypt. It was a very pointed selection for her. Um, so now we have at that time, so maybe concurrently, yes. you could say. Um, we have a story with Abimelech and Pichol. Pichol is, well, first of all, Abimelech was the king whom we met a few parakim yes. back, a few chapters back. Um, it was a little barely. kinder, it was a little kinder to him than to Parah, where even though he had taken Sarah as his wife, thinking that it was Abraham's sister, um, he wasn't. He wasn't punished or rebuked quite as strongly as Parah was, and Avraham and Abimelech left on very good terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so good, in fact, that Pichol and Avimelech approach Avraham and say, it's very obvious that you're doing something right because God is with you in all that you do. Like, you are a very successful man. You have a lot going on. Now you have an heir. Look at you. Yeah. I think um, I think that's um it's definitely demonstrating Abraham and obviously Hashem's notoriety at this point where it's showing that people have heard of them, people are starting to fear them or wanting to make alliances with mm-hmm. them. Um so they're not like an outcast other kind of nation. Um so here we have Avimelech wanting to you know, make a deal with Abraham. So Abraham takes this opportunity after they make this pact of um, dealing peacefully with each other. Abraham's like, so now that we're buddies, I do have something that I want to talk to you about. Your servant stole my well. And Abimelech's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never heard about all of this. Um, So Abraham says... Abraham gives him tons of cattle as a present, and Abimelech like, what, what, what's happening here? What, what is all this? And Abraham says, "I'm giving you all of this as proof 
that I dug this well. He's paying for the well, also. I think it's right, his, and okay. then he's going like so kind of far flaming. as to, like, pay for it again. So I'm noticing that throughout these Parakim on Abraham's life, that he is somewhat of an expert negotiator, where, I mean, the first time we see it, or maybe it's the first time, is when he's negotiating for the lives of the people of Sidon, of Sidon yeah. where he's like, what if there's this many? Okay, what if there's this many? What if there's this many? And he kind of like negotiates his way down to ten. Yes, people. but also in the end, when he's when um when the king of Sodom says to him, like, "Give me my people back. You can keep all the stuff that oh, you want." Mm-hmm. And Abraham says something like, "I will not take even a shoelace. Right. Like he you take all this stuff back." Then. Right. He's very smart. That reminds me of this, where yeah. Abraham says like. I don't want it to be said that I stole a well that was not mm-hmm. mine. So even if it, you know, even if you feel like I'm stealing this um, well from you, or that I'm complaining for no reason, here are all these sheep. Like mm-hmm. you have no reason, yeah, to complain if, or believe. If we flip forward into Havgimel, he yep. does the same thing with um, when he's buying Me'arata Machpelah exactly. to bury Sarah. Yep, where he's like, okay, you know, you local Chitim, like I want to buy that well. Okay, no problem, take it for free. Okay, you think like, that no. I should buy this well? Okay, now you guys are gonna come with me, and, and he kind of like leverages everybody. Yeah. Um, for what he needs, I think it's very shrewd, and he repeats over and over and over, like. I'm going to buy it. I'm yeah. I'm going to I I don't want this for free. I'm not taking this as a gift. I'm paying you money. Yeah. Um so Abraham I think is very concerned about appearances. He's very concerned about I um I wouldn't say appearances for appearances sake. I think it's more in terms of memory and history yes of of territory of the claim his claim claim. on the land yes yeah i think he he sees um how people can forget or Mm -hmm. or you you know you don't get what was owed to you or something like that and he really needs to make sure that it's almost like god saying i'm giving you these things but abraham doesn't really hang back and say, hey, God's going to give it to me. I don't have to do anything. Yes. He's like, oh, my God, God's going to give this to me. I better make sure I get it. You know, that hand hand in hand. I feel like he was guarding against that cringy feeling I get when, so sometimes when I am feeling like I need a little shush in my life, I go to comment sections and, you know, political thing it's about israel and you start fighting with them no i just like reading what people are saying and then somebody will come in with like it says it in the bible or it says it in the torah like the this land was promised to the people and given to people and i read that and i'm like nobody's gonna take this seriously you can't use that as an argument yeah um and i feel like abraham is guarding against that yeah. He, he's saying, like, you don't have to take the word of God. I, the word of God is enough for me. Oh. But if it's not enough for you, I'm going to pay you. Oh, I like I'm that. I'm going to get it down on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking anything for free because one day when my nation, 
needs to lay claim to this land. They'll have it in writing everywhere that we bought it, we paid for it. It becomes history. Yes. Yeah. Like a, you know. When when there's an exchange. Sec- secular yes. history. Yes. You know, it's written in, you know, documents. It's written on, I don't know, papyrus or whatever they're writing on. Um, as opposed to his experience with his conversations with Hashem. That's beautiful. In the last Pasuk, which is Lamed Dalid, it says, um, Vayagad Avraham Be'eretz Pelishtim Yamim Rabim. Meaning that he was living, um, where was he? In Be'er Sheva for a few years? Or where was he living with Sarah? Yeah, yeah Be'er Sheva. He was living in Be'er Sheva. But after his experience with the covenant that he forms with Abimelech, the Pedic ends that he plants a tree in Be'er Sheva, and there he calls the name of the Lord. Abraham stayed on in the land of the Pelishtim for many days. Now we come to Pedic Chavbet, uh, one of the most, I think, most memorable events in Jewish history. Um, sure. Akedat Yitzchak. We talk about it every single year on Yom Kippur when we read It's Shad and that song, which I want to say something about after. Okay. It's such a beautiful poem. Oh my gosh. Everyone always says that it's their favorite part, even though it's the saddest part. I know. But yeah. even the tune. So beautiful. The tune and the story behind it. Have you heard it? No. Oh my God. Tell it to me. Okay. I can't wait. Wait. Okay. So Akedat Yitzchak is the sacrificing of Yitzchak. Okay. Achar hadbarim ha'ele ve'ha'elohim nisa et Abraham. So after these events, God tests Abraham. Um, and it's this really strange and slow dialogue where it's like, Abraham, and then Abraham answers yes. And then Hashem mm-hmm. answers, take your son. The only one you love no response. Yeah. There's something to be said about when someone doesn't respond. And Abraham just, mm-hmm. yeah, it just goes to the next morning. Um... I remember, I remember a Rashi uh, when I was younger <clears throat> of why, why did it have to go through all of these names for Yitzchak? You're your only one, mm. you're um, the one that you love. And it was to, it was a way of weeding out anyone else that Abraham was thinking about. Oh, okay. So it it says, uh, take your son. And Abraham's like, I have two sons. <laughs> the only one you love. I love both my sons. That's a good <laughs> um, and then it names him. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I, I can't avoid this. Yeah. Um, and go to the mountains. So Abraham gets up early in the morning. Mm-hmm. He takes his two men and his son. He cuts the wood and they set out. Mm-hmm. 
and then they separate. On the third day of walking, they look up and they see that they're arriving to the place, which we don't get a name for. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham tells the Na'arim, he tells them, stay there, uh, stay with the donkey. I'm going to go here and worship, and then we'll come back to you. So I love this next pasuk. Um, it says, Abraham took the wood for the offering and placed it on Yitzbach, the son. It's almost, um, it, it, it gives me the sense that he's using Yitzbach almost like an animal here, like when you pile on oh. things to carry. Uh, not obviously not in any sort of sinister way, but like it kind of evokes that sense of the animal going to slaughter, like the animal carrying yeah, of Abraham things. kind of preparing himself for it. Yeah, but what I think is interesting is that he puts the wood on Yitzhak and he himself takes the fire and the knife and they walk together. And then you get this sense that they're actually not that close together because Yitzhak says to his, um, to Abraham, um, you know, father, like, you know, just calling out to him. And Abraham says, here I am. So he, they have to be some distance apart or maybe they're not near each other in this moment. I'm thinking that maybe the distance is not space, but like emotional. Oh. Like, Yitzchak is very in the dark here, mm-hmm. and he sees all of these things that are happening. We woke up in the morning, mm. we took these two servants, we left them behind, dad just gave me all these things yeah. to carry. You know when, like, you're in a, quiet and somber. You know when you're in, like, a really bad mood, and one of your younger children sees it? And feels it and senses it. Yeah, and they come and over they kind to of you like, like Mom? get you out of that reverie. Yes, like, Mom, are you right? And I'm imagining Abraham mm-hmm. being like, Yeah, yeah. I remember one of my kids when they were like two. They barely had enough words for this, and they came over and they're like, "Why is your face like this?" Like, oh, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm you know I'm a little bit upset, you know." And and but it, it I love what you said just now, where Yitzhak is probably seeing his father haunted. It's if it's taking multiple days, he probably sees him. I don't know. I'm like totally filling in here, but like staring into the fire at night, like not looking at his son, not able to face what he's about to do. Like we could fill in so much here about what was happening, and not just that, but also, also the unwritten hit that this might have on his faith, because mm-hmm. this is used oh. as a way to say like. This is how faithful Abraham was to Hashem that without question he took his son and he was going to sacrifice him and yeah. Hashem saw this and he stopped him. But it, he probably had a lot of questions. While this is happening, yeah. Abraham, like, he doesn't have a reason. He doesn't know why this is happening. He doesn't know that it's going to be stopped. Yeah. He just had his son after years. Years and years and years of trying and promises and yeah. laughter. It's and devastating. now it's like, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my belief? Mm-hmm. But but we know we know what wins out because in the end of the day, he's going along with it. Yeah, he does. He says, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replies, 
Hashem will give us the land for an offering. And they walk on. And it's always here where I think Rashi says, like, this is when he understood. Hmm. Yitzchak kind of looked around and heard Abraham's answer. Yeah. And kind and he understood what was happening at this point. The two of them continued together. And it goes so far as to say they came to the place that Hashem told them. Abraham built an offer, off, excuse me, an altar. He arranged the wood. Then he bound his son and laid him on the altar. Like where Ooh, is Yitzhak? Like, I know. We had no words There's here. Nothing. We have no idea how he feels if anything was said between them. It's almost like he has already died. He's just completely resigned. So passive. So passive or so devout, um, you know, recognizing that or or accepting his fate. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever God has told them. I imagine they're both crying at this point. And yeah. I know. It's so heavy. It's so heavy. Um, To the point where um, I actually was thinking about this. Early the next morning, Abraham rose and saddled his donkey back into Pasuk Gimel. Like, it's almost like he stole him away in the middle of the night, knowing that if Sarah saw what he was doing, yeah. she would not let him take her son. And we actually don't hear from Sarah ever again. I wonder if you've ever heard anyone talk about this before. Yes. So Sarah is never mentioned, or she's mentioned, but... We never see them converse again. Yeah, Rashi actually, in the beginning of Chaye Sarah, the next um, parasha, um, that's, I think that's the first time Sarah is mentioned after that. And Rashi says she heard what happened. Yeah. She died. But not, not only did Sarah possibly hear about it and die, but many people say that Yitzhak doesn't come down off the mountain. Because in Yudtet, it says, Abraham returned to his young men. It doesn't say anything about Yitzhak. Oh. It says, uh, at the end of the Perek, it says, Abraham returned to his young men, and together they set out and went to Beersheba, and Abraham stayed on in Beersheba. So, I don't know where Yitzhak went after that traumatic. That's very interesting. Do you think he lived up in Eretz Moria for the rest of his days? No, I mean, he has well, to we'll come see. down and meet Yitzhak. But, I mean, I, I do believe... So, I've, I've heard rabbis talk about just the psychological damage that had been done to him at this point, that he... He his um his full you know emotional self never came down back off that mountain like part of him is still there um in his trauma he's forever changed so um that's kind of like what I thought about it and his his silence like his his digesting of what is happening to him and then I mean obviously um, I'm not spoiling anything here when. We say, you know, he goes to kill him. The Malach comes and tells him, don't. Wait. We see how um, 
you're able to, you know, listen to Hashem and you, you don't question Hashem and you believe in Hashem and we're going to bless you. And then it goes back into you're going to be, your descendants are going to be as many as the stars in the heavens, the sand on the seashore, which I'm like wondering because like we already said that, but what if I didn't want to sacrifice Yitzchak? You think they're going to give me that? I don't know. But that's... There's like no answer for that. No. There's no answer. Do not harm the boy. I I think the the language in Yudbet is very interesting where it says you didn't keep your son from me. Um and we always grow up with this idea that like everything is Hashem's and everything belongs to Hashem and, and we belong to Hashem and we are his servants and we you know, even my kids, they kind of belong. Um, but the idea that Abraham did not withhold his son from Hashem, um, I feel like in the end, that was a condition for him. Like, your, what you have been through with me has to go on through your sons. Mm. It's not an experience that stays only with you and then, you know, Yitzhak builds his own relationship with me. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, what I have with you is what I have with Yitzhak and what I have with Yitzhak is what I have with his son. You can't withhold your kids from me. Like, there is no separation between you and your son for me. And then Abraham sees the ram caught in the bush and he sacrifices it in his son's place. So I love, we mentioned in the beginning, um, the tefillah of Ed Shared Atzon that we say on Mincha uh, on Yom Kippur. Um, it's a beautiful poem written by I think his name is Yehuda Shmuel Abbas. His his initials are actually in the. It's an acrostic poem. Um, this was a man whose son. I think it was in the heyday of Islam. His son converted to Islam. Oh wow! And he basically chased him all throughout. I don't know if it was Europe or North Africa or the Middle East. But he chased him down and tried to convince his son to convert back. Um, I think it said it, he died on that journey. He never got to have that conversation with him. Um, but I find the idea of this man who lost his son to another religion writing a poem about such a painful moment for Abraham about to lose a son. And I think that's why he focuses so much on the emotions here. I'm just going to read it to you. Like he prepared the wood for the offering with power and strength. And then he bound Isaac as he would bind a ram and the light of days was night in their eyes and multitudes of tears were flowing in strength. The eye was crying bitterly, but the heart was happy. Recall the binder. Recall the binder, the bound, and the altar. So this is the part that kills me. 
it's speaking from the point of view of Yitzchak. Tell my mother that her joy has turned away. The son she gave birth to at 90 years of age has gone to the fire and been designated for the knife. Where will I find a comforter for her? Where? It pains me for my mother to cry and sob. And that's what I think about every time I think of Abraham and Yitzchak up on that mountain. Mm -hmm. Is like, this story is just as much Sarah's as anyone's. Yeah. Like, it's devastating for her. And I think that she has been through so much. And she's, I think she's angry. I think that she has every right to be. And... I actually, I don't know if this is something, but it says, at, right after the Akedah, well, first we have Abraham was told Milka has had children, and we find out Rivka is born, so it's kind of like hinting towards the next generation. Mm. But then we have Chai Sarah and Chachimel, where it tells us that Sarah's lifetime, she was 127, she died in Kiryat Arba, which is in... Hebron. Hebron. That's not Beersheba. So they, so there was a movement somewhere there. I don't think they were living together. Oh. <sighs> ha! Because if we continue into Chayi Sarah, Abraham came to mourn for Sarah. He was living in Beersheba. In, in oh, Abraham stayed on in Be'er Sheva. Abraham <gasps> stayed on in Be'er Sheva, and Sarah dies in Hebron. Are they are they no longer together? Like, does she leave him? <sighs> holy, holy shit! <laughs> what the hell? I can't be the only one that no, ever no, noticed no, no, this. No, no, We're no, wrong. No, I'm probably no. wrong. No, because it says it literally says. Abraham remained in Be'er Sheva. Be'er Abraham Be'er Sheva. It doesn't say that he went anywhere. Oh, see, this is this would appear to indicate that they lived in Hebron at the time. According to Talmudic tradition, Sarah died right after the test, and they had lived in Hebron for the past 12 years. Thus, on the way back from Moriah, Abraham only stopped in Be'er Sheva for a short while. According to other sources, they lived in Be'er Sheva at this time, but Sarah was heading north to Jerusalem to inquire about her husband and son when she died in Hebron. But I'm... That is a lot of... Okay, it's a lot of... Conjecture. Right? To try and say that there's... Still... And I was going to say, Occam's razor is... What, what the fuck oh. Occam's razor? <laughs> Occam's razor is like... I feel like I should know The this. simplest answer oh. is the answer. Got it. What's the simplest answer here? They weren't living in the same city. No, no. I'm shook. And I never <laughs> use that expression. I, Hold I, on. I think Hold I'm, on. I mean, I'm, I'm probably sorry, wrong. Right. I can't. This has definitely been said before. I just. <gasps> oh, the rabbi goes famous question. Oh, my God. <laughs> famous question. Oh, my God. We have God. as much fun texting our rabbi <laughs> as, we, <laughs> as we do like anyone else. It emphasized that she was living in Hebron. Yes. It says, Sarah died in Kiryat Arba. That is Hebron. Hebron. 
Like, it goes out of In its way. In case you had any yeah. doubts about where this was. I would be shocked if she was able to be in the same vicinity as him after I know. he takes her child that she gave birth to after being barren for 90 years and then tries to sacrifice that child and leave her with nothing yet again. Do you blame her? No. No. That makes me question her level of devoutness. Or, like, I don't know. But I don't question her level of devoutness. I feel like she's been a very real character the entire time. Maybe that's why she laughed at the Malachim. And maybe that's why they said something to her and not to Abraham. Because they could tell that hers was coming from a place of, like, disbelief. Yeah. Like... And he was merely, like, tickled by Yeah, <laughs> tickled! I can't believe it, me! Yeah. I love that. Um, and she was like, okay, guys. Right, there's a difference. Yeah. There's a difference. But even, even the, everything with Hagar, um, she's not a saint. No. She, you know, she knows that her husband needs a wife and needs an heir, and she gave him Hagar, but... She can still be petty and jealous and, and have all these feelings. Yeah, I and think our, our forefathers and foremothers are flawed. And I think that the reason why is so that when we study Torah, we look and say, like, even these people who had all of these beliefs already in place also struggled with the human condition and everything that comes with having feelings and emotions and different parts of your brain and, and different um, reactions. But Torah is all about it. Yeah, and then, and, and then what happens when you are now, you know, in conversation or in experiences with other people who also have their own microcosm of emotions and experiences and how can, like, people clash when we live as a civilization together? So... I think it's only normal and natural that these things are being exposed and, and we're finding them. Yeah, and, and that's not to say, like, the Torah, honestly, if this is if this is the interpretation we're going with, and honestly, I'm I'm sold. Yeah. Um, I think it was a very elegant way of the Torah to do it. It didn't say anything about, like, Sarah heard what happened. Yeah. And she got on up out of there. It, it It's so subtle, mm-hmm. but it's very... Direct. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, and, and Abraham had to... To go and, to mourn for yeah. her. Yep. Abraham wow. Rose, yeah, so he comes and he mourns for Sarah and to weep for her. Um... Wow. And then he, you know, he has this conversation with the Hakim and he says, um, I'm a migrant, I'm a visitor, sell me your burial site. And here we get, you know, Abraham bowing down, respecting foreign people in their land, kind of showing us, again, very shrewd, knowing how to treat people in their homeland, knowing how to get what you need from people and how to document things so that they're fact and history. He, they ha- he has a public agreement with um, this man named Ephron in order to purchase Marat and Echpela, 
But I love the back and forth here because Abraham says, um, let me buy this land from you. And they're like, no, you could have it for free. You could bury your dead. This is the best land. And he's like, okay, but let me pay you. And they're like, no, no, don't worry. Yeah. You're a great guy. Uh, it's fine. And he's like, no, I really want to pay you. And then this guy, Efron, goes, listen, what's 400 shekels between us? Don't worry about it. The next pasuk, Abraham understood what Efron meant. He measured the 400 shekels and gave it to him. I'm like, yeah. what a polite way of asking yeah. for a little bit of money for me'ara tamachvila. Ha'me'ara asher bo v'chol ha'etz asher basadeh asher v'chol kulo sabih. Okay, so it's kind of like delineating the the lines of the property. Yeah. Um, but again, making sure everything is contractual, making yeah. sure that he has There's witnesses. No you know, witnesses, mm -hmm. making sure that it's a public agreement. And to give Sarah this proper respect of not just burying her, but mm -hmm. now giving her an entire cave and, you know, doing right by her. Yeah. It's quite beautiful. Uh, sad. Her till the very end. Yeah, sad and beautiful ending um, of Sarah's life. Really need to look into this whole like separation thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna be like properly divorced, but she could not stand the sight of him. <laughs> I could see that happening. Where was Yitzchak? I I don't know what's happening. Yeah, where did he go? The picture of this family just fell apart for me. Yeah, you can't when you can't visualize the pieces and where everyone is. It becomes difficult. But I mean, we know at this point Sarah is. Not, not alive anymore. Um, okay, beautiful. Thank wow. you. Yeah. That was a great one. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back next week for the next couple of chapters in our journey together. Uh, you can reach out to us anytime if you have any questions. Until next time, have a good week. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach.